So tell me, Apple or Android? The battle is oh, here. Who wins? Apple, 100%. <laughs> Are you getting paid to uh, give out that answer right now or no? No, but I'll tell you this. As somebody who's super into privacy, right, and like uh, preventing companies and uh, folks from tracking you, uh, Google and Samsung are an open book. Uh, so anything that you do on your phone, even if you turn off the setting, gets sent directly to to their services and sort of compiled. So from I'm not saying Apple is good. I'm not saying Apple is you know like uh, the angel in this situation too. We've we've been able to somewhat trust them, uh, you know, like this far. But that doesn't mean that that won't change, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's not it's not an Apple or Google thing. Uh, for me, it's a uh, who's going to do the most to prevent or to protect my privacy, you know, as a person who uses my phone and, you know, computer all day long. Do you trust them, though, 100%? Like, are you still like... No, fuck no. Right. Uh, for the conversations that I do need to have, I use Signal, right? Signal app messaging, which is private end-to-end -end encryption. Uh, Signal mm -hmm. is currently being funded by the folks that made WhatsApp, right? Which is owned by Facebook. If you're wondering why... Uh, somebody, the creator of WhatsApp is uh, funding a privacy-focused uh, app, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot that you can read up on that online. Interesting. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, for everybody listening in, if you're not watching the video on YouTube or Facebook and you want to put a face to the name, be sure to check out uh, Peter Pikarczyk. Um, if, if you want to find an easy way to say that, it's pies, cars, and chicks, right? Uh, <laughs> Pierre Karczyk. Um, and he runs DraftBit. DraftBit.com. You are a co-founder, right, at DraftBit. Um, is there any other uh, social media site that you prefer people to track you down at? Uh, Twitter is my main game. Uh, it's Peter P M E. Uh, so Peter, you know, P is in Picard chick and then M E and my website is Peter P dot M E. And that's where that alias sort of comes from. All my usernames are Peter P M E. Awesome. And obviously right now, when, as we're filming this, this podcast, this episode, it's a crazy time, right? You probably didn't expect anything like this. Um, I mean, we all expect the downturn, right? Sooner or later, because things were perfect up, up, up and up but we didn't expect it with this kind of, I guess, uh, astounding um, consequences that we're all going to come out of it with, right? Yeah. And you, you, have, you have workers, you have employees, right? You have, uh, well, employees slash contractors, I'm assuming, right? All, all over. How yeah, is that I mean, mostly, oh, go ahead. How has that hit you um, per, on a personal level and company level? Um, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't been too bad per se. Um, you know, so we have, we have about 14 employees, um, just full-time people distributed across uh, the world. Uh, we have folks in San Francisco, Chicago, Spain, and Poland. Uh, believe it or not, Poland is a very up-and-coming place for mobile app development. Mm -hmm. And two of the major uh, creators that helped build the Facebook framework happen to be from Poland. And, you know, me being Polish, that, you know, right. it's Shout out. for us to, <laughs> to work for, for folks, right? And, and yourself too, right? So. And, and for everybody that's, you know, we are referencing, in case you're listening to this in the future, we are referencing COVID-19, coronavirus. Uh, that's kind of the topic we're, I, I guess I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be nothing else crazier than this. So if you're watching, you would know. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so what happened is uh, we're actually in the midst of moving into a bigger office, or we were, right? We, have, we were in River North, right, in Chicago, uh, which is which is a nice space right above Guilt Bar. It always smelled like barbecue, uh, which was which was nice. But uh, our lease was coming to an end, and we were been looking for a longer term, bigger space that we could grow in. Uh, this whole thing just kind of screwed all that up for us, right? Like we were asking ourselves questions like, do we need an office like this anymore? Do we need it to be this size, right? Uh, are we going to continue pursuing, uh, you know, like remote? Like, are we making that a a, a big option? Mm -hmm. uh, so what happened was we were always based in Chicago from the very beginning. And then one of our co-founders, uh, had to move to San Francisco unrelated to DraftBit. Uh, so that's, that's when we had our first remote person as a, as a co-founder on top of that. It was probably and the then, wife, right? It was probably the wife that made yeah. the move. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. She, she had a, uh, she had an amazing opportunity 
and uh, it was it would it would have been hard for them to say no, right? Yeah. So, uh, so, and it also works out that San Francisco happens to be the you know the tech hub of the world, right? So, uh, but anyway, so that was our first taste of having somebody full time remote, and I know it was it was tricky for him at first, uh, but. Mm -hmm. You know, then we then we started hiring folks from all over, not just from Chicago. Um, we're building a tool that builds tools, right? So it's a little different than like your your traditional uh, mom and pop tech shop consulting company, where hey, you know what? I got this great idea. Uh, you know, we have this paper business. Can you build an app for it, right? Uh, what we're doing is we are building uh, an app that you know generates other apps. So the level of skill required you know, like fortunately or unfortunately is a bit higher, right? And so we've sort of, you know, as somebody who, you know, I'm very involved in the Chicago tech scene. I run conferences, meetups, you know, had my own podcast before, right? Um, several CTO stomach groups or whatever. Uh, you know, we've started exhausting, uh, you know, folks that we could potentially hire in Chicago, right? Either because they've already... They've already got amazing jobs somewhere else and aren't looking mm -hmm. to move, right? Or for other various reasons, right? So that's when we decided to give hiring remotely a shot. And so our, our second remote hire was this all-star from Spain. It's somebody that I knew from the scene already online, okay. right? Somebody who is very much involved in the open source, right? Like, you know, just, just a really great uh, individual, right? And that, it's one of those like, uh, experiences where it's like we can't pass on this person if they're even if they're remote we should at least give it a shot so we did and you know now now we've got a radically different time zone different cultures right uh and, and just like you know remote full-time um long story short it worked out and we continue doing that and continue our hiring process uh with you know with the realization that like if if the next 15 employees we hire are remote we're totally okay with that mm -hmm. So now to round this back up to uh, the original question. Yeah. Uh, so it has affected us because productivity is low, right? Like, you know, it's easy to like, get distracted uh, and check Twitter, check the news, right? And that you're not being able to go outside or do the things that you're used to, right? So productivity has gone down a bit, but that's, you know, like that's nothing that nobody is upset about, right? This mm -hmm. is the reality of the situation and we're doing the best we can to to help our team. Um, we basically, you know, we, we told the whole team like, Hey, we're going to be working home for the next four to six weeks. If there's anything that you need monitors, desks, uh, utilities, right. We gave everyone uh, an Instacart express membership so they could order food, not have to leave. Right. Just, just trying to make it as easy as possible. Right. So don't stress out, right. Like you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days, right? Like, you know, God forbid, you know, somebody, you know, gets affected, right. Mm -hmm. It's going to, it's going to fuck with you. Right. So just know that, that we understand because we're, we're living the reality ourselves. Yes. Right. So you, do they get just the memberships Instacart or free groceries too? No, just the membership, you know, like <laughs> right, we're not paying for people's food. Right. So <laughs> it's like, man, uh, I, I always heard about the good life at tech companies. Um, <laughs> what am I doing? What am I doing wrong here? Yeah. But, uh, a little bit, a little bit more about uh, DraftBit itself, right? You you help um, people actually make apps without having to sit there like I was trying to sit four years ago and going through a crazy tutorial for months, and I ended up getting nowhere with it. I made like a one, a front cover of an app, and like that's as far as I got. But you 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 let people make apps in minutes, right? From what I yeah yeah uh, you know depending on the app, uh, but yeah so the. If, if you were trying to go down the traditional app building uh, experience, you'd have to A, learn how to code, right? Uh, B, figure out which platforms that you want to build for, right? Whether it's iOS, whether it's Android, which now like Samsung does their own thing, right? Uh, C, set up all the tools required to do that on your computer, right? So Xcode has, uh, or uh, iOS has Xcode, which is a 30 gigabyte computer, right? That's like the, that's like 10% of your hard drive, right? It's this massive application. Uh, there's Android Studio for Android, right? Like, anyway, the list goes on of the things that you have to do to get started. You really need to want to learn how to do it to do it, right? And so uh, folks end up, you know, 
uh, passing on it. And I don't blame them. I started with web development. It was a lot easier. Mobile app development was a nightmare. Uh, so anyway, what we've done is you go to draftbit.com, right? Uh, you scan a QR code, right? Like you put your phone up to a QR code and then you start building, right? We handle the setup. We handle the materials uh, required, right? You don't need anything on your computer. We just, we handle all that in our servers. Um, and then when it comes to actually, so we got, we got the setup out of the way, right? There's the actual coding part. But what we've done is we've built, uh, you know, buttons and a, and a GUI to make that process easier, right? Mm -hmm. So what we do behind the scenes is generate the same source code that a senior developer would write. And that's not to say you can't build any type of app, right? You know, like yeah. realistically, you know, you could probably build maybe like a proof of concept that you're interested in and then ship it to production and it'll work great. Uh, but like you can't do like VR or machine learning or, you know, like just to throw that out there. Yeah. Right? Like if you're trying to build something completely from scratch groundbreaking, right? It's not going to be you can yeah. only do as much as right as the app allows. Can I share my screen? I, I haven't pulled up. Is that uh, something you're interested in? Uh, yeah, go for it. You just, you cool. have to guide um, podcast yeah, listeners for sure. of what you're actually showing. Yeah, so I'm not going to go through the, the entire process, but here, here's what DraftBit looks like. So in terms of, you know, the layout, you've got this kind of preview, right? Like right here. This is a uh, Airbnb uh, clone that we've made called RentBit right? And then you can discover your next day, right? So you have, you know, the image that you place there, like the text that says discover your next day, uh, the button for create an account, right? All the, all the little things that are a nightmare, right? And if, and if you were to code this, right, we actually give you all the source code, you can see there's a lot that you have, you'd have to figure out on your own, right? So without getting into the details, it takes hundreds of lines of code to generate a, a screen as simple as this, right? Uh, and then you see this like complex uh, thing going on here, right? So this is what I like to call the guardrails, right? So a developer has a text editor, right? And you write code in a text editor. That's the wild west, right? What's happening is, is that you can type whatever you want and 99% of the time it doesn't yeah. work, right? Oh, yeah. uh, it's trial and error, right? For everyone that thinks that you have to be a, a genius to be a developer or whatever, no. It's like, it's like learning a foreign language, right? Like, you know, Spanish or Polish. You're going to make mistakes, but then you just, it's all, all I do is trial and error, yeah. right? So what we've done is we built guardrails around those things. Mm -hmm. If we want something to work a certain way, you just click the button, right? Or if you want things to be spaced a certain way, right? Like you just, you just like change it, right? So if we wanted some space between the sign in and create button, like we just do it there, right? We just yeah. set the padding uh, to 12 pixels. Yeah. And you're done. I, I wish for, for those, for those not, not watching the actual screen, uh, essentially you've eliminated all the crazy coding that scares everybody away and made this into like almost a dummy proof. I mean, not, not that anybody can do it, but it, it seems like I'm just plug and playing, right? Essentially like making, yeah. like using uh, the, the website that's very popular right now, Canva, like using uh -huh. Canva to make crazy Adobe Photoshop photos without going through the whole process of learning Photoshopping. Exactly, oh, right? That we're taking that like same approach, right? Or like a Squarespace, right? If you've yeah. heard of those, uh, right? Say, same sort of idea. Awesome. And kind of back, uh, back to full circle, you, you, and you were, funded, um, you, you were funded by YC, right? You, we were one of yeah. 1% companies um, that reached out that actually got yeah. funded, right? That doesn't happen often. How, how was the process of going about that? Like, you know, actually applying through and getting, uh, becoming funded like that way? Um, you know, it was, you know, I, so I guess I have got a different opinion now that I've been through it. Right. Yeah. And if you could uh, explain what that means to the average yeah. listener. So why, why Combinator is this, uh, in sort of incubator. They were the first to call it a startup accelerator. Right. Mm -hmm. And the problem that YC solved originally was, Back when you wanted to build a company and raise money, you'd have people giving you money that had no idea what it is that you were working on or the vision, right? It was finance people writing checks for startups. And so they wanted big checks. They wanted returns. They wanted all these things, right? Those things just don't exist in the early stages, right? And so uh, Paul Graham and Jessica Livingston, uh, the founders, uh, said, you know what? This process doesn't work, so we're going to try something else, right? So what they started doing is 
offering folks, you know, in the very beginning, 15 years ago, uh, $30,000 uh, of 7% of the business, right, with as much uh, funding and experience as you want, right? Yes. And those, those early companies, the reason why Y Combinator ended up becoming this radically huge success was because the first few founders that went through uh, created Dropbox, created Airbnb, DoorDash, Instacart, mm -hmm. uh, right? Created Stripe, Gusto, Segment, PagerDuty, Coinbase, uh, if you've, you know, into crypto, right? Like Weebly went through it. Uh, so a list of some major, major businesses, right? So that's, uh, Twitch also went through it, right? So that's where Y Combinator sort of, uh, got its name on the map, right? And the process has changed a lot since then, right? Mm -hmm. the, the companies accepted were, you know, back then it was like 15 companies, right? And now like they accept 100 companies and have 15 partners, right? Instead of just the two of them, right? So it's definitely evolved. Uh, so I think um, like the appeal of joining, you know, like I don't think I was any special, right? I think I just happened to be on an idea that, you know, like, a couple of years ahead of its time that they were particularly excited in, right? Yeah. Um, and then in terms of the network though, I think it's what you make of it. Like with anything, you could go to a great school and party, or you can go to a great school and network and meet professors and, you know, be, be the next Elon Musk. Uh, right. So it all depends on your experience. Right. So, uh, YC definitely does a good job of curating that network. Uh, but it's what you make of it. Right. It's, you know, I, I can talk to Brian Chesky at Airbnb, but if I'm just like, Hey, what's up, man? Uh, that just, that's not going to work out. Right. Uh, cause he's a very busy person. Right. So, um, it's sort of what you make of it and sort of the, what you want to make of it. So it's for the, for, for everybody else, it's kind of like the shark tank of tech companies, right? <laughs> Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like a, applying to a college and then you go through several interview processes and, you know, and then, and then you have to move out there. You have to move out to San Francisco through mm -hmm. the, the program, right? So we lived for, in San Francisco for six months. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you must, you have to. Uh, you can't do YC without living out there because uh, you go to their offices twice a week for, for meetings, mentorships, uh, for dinners, right? So they do a YC dinner Tuesdays and Thursdays. And you sort of meet with your, with your current batch, you hear from other founders, mm -hmm. and you hear about what you shouldn't do. So if someone right now has this, you know, wild idea for a tech company, would you recommend going this route? And, you know, how, how would they go about applying, trying to get um, early investment? Yeah. So uh, YC does, I think, uh, three cycles now, right? Winter, summer, and spring. Or it might just be two, winter and summer. I forget. It's been a couple of years. Um, and you just apply, right? And the reality of it is, is if you just apply with an idea, they'll say, mm, you know, like, maybe, why don't you talk to us two weeks from now, show us what you got, right? And the expectation is that if you don't know how to code, you figure out how to code, you know? Like, uh, you, you show them a proof mm -hmm. of concept two weeks later, as crappy as it is, because they, you have to want it, right? Uh, you really have to want uh, to go through the, the program to get accepted. Did you have the program ready before you went up to them already? Oh yeah. I mean, we're, you know, like I, I've been a developer for years, but like, say for example, for us, right. Like there was a month between when we first started applying, uh, and whatever. Right. So every time we'd show up, they'd be like, Oh, you know, so like, have you been working on it? Like, what have you learned? And we would explain like, yeah, like this is what the app looked like when we first applied, you know, and then, uh, here we are a month later, uh, like something radically different. And I think for them, they were most excited. So, I'll throw out there, when we first applied to YC, we weren't applying with DraftBit. We applied with a different company. Oh. And so... That's a curveball. <laughs> yeah. So uh, well, a month, uh, they were like, whoa, how'd you do that so quickly? You know, it's like, well, you know, like I've, you know, I'm, uh, I'm originally in this like uh, crew of developers that just have a knack for building mobile apps, right? So I just, I just have some tricks up my sleeve, friends that, you know, ex-Facebook, Apple and stuff that we work together, you know? And they're like, interesting, right? Like these people know how to churn, right? Like, cause a startup is all about pivoting, right? Like mm -hmm. the longer mm -hmm. you take between uh, versions, like the, the, the lower the chance of you is succeeding, right? So yeah. we, would, we would stay up all night just like fixing things for our users the next day, right? And still do. Uh, so we, we were working on a personal CRM called Orchard. 
a way to manage your personal professional network. I'll never forget that line. That was our YC one liner, right? They're like, how do you explain your business? Well, we're in a mobile app that helps teams or oops, now I'm mixing them up. Uh, a personal CRM that helps you manage your personal professional mm -hmm. network. Mm -hmm. Right. And we got, we got through the program with it, but then through the fact that we had so much feedback every single day, we learned that maybe we, we weren't working on the right thing. Right. And we had an existential crisis, right? Like a lot of people do, right? Like, Oh my God, we just raised all this money from investors, right? Like, you know, not just from YC, we had investors before YC, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, we got a couple hundred grand just, you know, uh, my co-founder and I weren't taking a salary, right? Like we were just kind of doing the best we can. And now here we are, right? Like, well, what do you mean? You know, like we're asking ourselves, like, what do you mean this isn't the right idea, right? Like, what are you going to do now? Right? Like, so we went through this existential crisis. We would show up home after every meeting, like we were upset with each other, right? We were just sort of like in, a, in the lowest point of our company's trajectory. And it's been six months, right? Uh, so after some time, we made a bunch of random tools. We built this tool called Twitter Prospector that helped you connect with like-minded people for hiring on Twitter. That was stupid. Mm -hmm. We built an internal YC messaging app. That sounded, was sounded, sounded cool for a second. Yeah, yeah, right? All Me. these things sound cool, right? So we sort of like, we worked on like three or four different things before we got to DraftBit, right? Mm -hmm. And DraftBit Man, was sort this of- is like straight up Silicon Valley right, Valley right here, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's gotta be your favorite show, right? <laughs> it is, it is because I can, it's so corny, but I can relate. Uh, uh, not ironic at all. We, we lived in a, a house, right? Uh, and our living room was uh -huh. our, you know, was our freaking uh, office, right? And uh, like we, you know, like we were straight in Silicon Valley, right? Like, you know, like we got to drive, like I have, I happen to have some like, you know, big you got tech friends, right? Like, you uh -huh. know, uh, you know, so getting to drive their Lambos and stuff. Like I got to drive the creator of Gmail's, Paul Buchheit's, uh, uh, Fisker Karma, which is like this electric sports car, right? So there's a video of me doing that, right? So I was going to say, uh, I'm surprised you weren't just getting driven around in Teslas all day. I thought that's all they do nowadays. Yeah, well, uh, you know, like, for example, our, our landlord at the time uh, was some sort of a Tesla uh, dealer or whatever. Uh, so he would always make sure to tell us, you know. <laughs> so here, I'll, uh, I'll sort of, I'll share this video with you. Yeah, so this, yeah. Was, this was our house. Right. So we lived down the street from uh, Perry, you know, the donkey from Shrek. His farm was literally three blocks no away way. from where we lived. So for everyone, you know, to uh, listening on the podcast, you got you have to go on our YouTube um, Pod River Media and check out these pictures or, or, or on the Facebook page, Boss to Boss, because this is great. Like this is this house is actually very kind of similar, right? Yeah. To, to the show uh, Silicon Valley a little bit. Wow. <laughs> so this house isn't there anymore, right? So this house was a piece of shit. It was a three and a half million dollar house that hasn't been renovated in over 50 years. Of course. Whenever you flush the upstairs toilet, the grass out front would bubble, right? That's and, and we were paying uh, 10 grand a month or whatever to rent this place. Uh, so our living room was the office, right? So uh, believe it or not, three people on this in this photo aren't on the team anymore, right? See, 10, go, 10 grand a month? $10,000 per month uh, for this. <laughs> nice. So so the reason why we got to live there, so on a $3.5 million mortgage, you're paying at least sixteen grand, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, why are we paying so little? Well, in Palo Alto, if you want to knock a house down, you have to go through a process of appealing it with your neighborhood. And that's a six-month process. So this guy just had this empty house. We happened to come along and say, hey, can we live there until you knock it down? And he was like, sure. So he was hedging his losses uh, against us. So, you know, we needed six <laughs> months. He needed six months, right? Now there's a major mansion on this property. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm assuming normally this would cost like 20K a month. Oh, yeah. If you, if you, yep, at least 20. I mean, and we're talking this house that you see here, kitchen cabinets from the 50s, right? Like no renovations whatsoever, $20,000 per month. Other houses are probably in the seven, it's probably worth $7 million now. So we're talking double, right? Uh, so it's, when you're talking about the Silicon Valley bubble, when you talk about people making 600 grand a year, you, it's not like they're rich, they're living in houses that are $40,000 per month. So there's some perspective for everyone, you know, who 
who thinks there's, you know, there's a lot of money being made. Yeah. There is, but you know, if you're just a normal, you know, employee at, you know, Google or whatever, you're, you're making enough to afford to live in a home. Do you think this bubbles up, bubbles out? I mean, right now, obviously with the virus going on, you know, things, things will naturally take a hit and have taken a hit, but do you think there will be another Silicon Valley like bubble type? No, I think uh, Silicon Valley is here to stay. And let me tell you why from an investing opportunity perspective. So when we were raising money for DraftBit, right, we haven't disclosed the amount that we've raised, but we raised a substantial amount. Um, the reason I live in Chicago is because I've always wanted to build a tech hub here. And my founder, Brian, as well. Brian was the, the first managing director of Techstars in Chicago. Uh, they sold OkCupid. Okay uh, they lived in San Francisco for a while and then all moved here, right? And started doing other things, right? So, so we, we both were aligned on this mission of building a business in Chicago, building the community here so we could have our own mini bubble, right? But then when it comes to raising money, good luck. Um, there, you know, like we, we all sort of do small investments here and there, right? Uh, just to help people get started, right? But then when you need cash, when you need, uh, a couple million dollars, right? Which most companies do. Mm -hmm. uh, and let's say you are pre-profit, right? Like you are, you're still in sort of the MVP mode or looking for product market fit, right? Uh, you're not going to find that money in Chicago, unfortunately. Uh, you have to go out west to raise it. Uh, and you will find that money uh, day of. You know, you fly out to San Francisco yeah. and you know, whatever size of check that you want, more or less, you will, you will find. Right. And then what you do instead if is you have you, a good idea, right? <laughs> if, I mean, yeah. So, you know, let's say on an idea, you can raise a hundred thousand dollars overnight, right. You know, on an idea, right. Mm -hmm. uh, like for us, you know, like uh, business, like you, you can easily start getting into the seven figures once you, um, you know, Hey, this is the product that we've got, right. We've, we're established. We're not making money yet. Right. Like there's a lot of things that we have to build. Right. Uh, we're climbing Mount Everest. Right. Do you believe in us? You know, in Chicago, you'll hear, well, you know, how much money are you making? Are you profitable? No? Okay, you know what, then call us when you do. And what, what ended up happening for us is the folks that initially declined us started hearing about the companies that were backing us, the investment portfolios that were backing us in San Francisco, and then wanted to come back in, right? But, you know, we filled the round, right? You know, like, it's like, hey, you had your opportunity, right? We filled the amount of money that we needed to raise, right? Uh, and so, so, so sort of like, come to an end with this. Uh, if you want to raise the money you need for your company to live, San Francisco will always be there because mm -hmm. San Francisco is probably the only place in the world where people believe in your wild idea because they probably made it on their wild idea. You know what I'm saying? Right? So it's all ex founders. It's all ex, you know, product managers, engineers, designers that happen mm -hmm. to have stumbled upon, you know, massive amounts of money that then start these funds. Right. So, so you get that support, right? People understand if you've got this crazy dream, right. You're still talking to finance people in Chicago, whereas in San Francisco, you're showing up with a kid wearing, you know, flip flops and a yellow polo, right. With the collar popped saying like, yeah, I'll write you a $10 million check today. And that's the part, um, I guess for me that I'm still trying to break through, you know, break down, like how, how, how is that long-term sustainable though? You know, like how, cause a lot of, a lot of it is based on beliefs. Like you said, right. I believe in you. So I'm going to pass it down yeah. that I believe in somebody else. Like what yeah. if people stop sort of, you know, buying the coffee for that next person in line? Sure. Um, I mean, so that's already happened, right? So we've, we've been through several phases of that, mm -hmm. right? So, um, so every time some radically new technology comes out, uh, you know, like a few years later, the bubble bursts, right? The San Francisco bubble is so big, though, that you've had multiple bursts that only folks that are living through it understand, right? So, you know, like uh, when, you know, the internet emerged, right? People were handing out money left and right. The mm -hmm. bubble burst because people were raising money on stupid ideas, right? And we all got smart from that, right? And then it happened again, right? Uh, you know, 10 years ago or so, right? People were raising money on silly ideas. The, the iPhone came out. We had the App Store, right? You know, like... I can change the world, right? And a lot of those companies, right? Like, believe it or not, like Uber and Lyft started in 2007. People don't think that, right? But you know, like that's when that's when those ideas like came out, right? So, 
you had a couple of those winners, but yeah, uh, there were folks that were trying to raise money on something that didn't work, right? So folks are getting smarter, right? So you can't just show up and say, hey, I've got this great idea. Can I get the money? Prepare to sit through and have somebody who is more or less probably smarter than you are, right? Yeah, just being like, okay, uh, what about this? What about this? Looking for the holes, right? Yeah. And if you can at least admit like, you know what? I haven't thought about that, right? You know what? That's a good point, right? Or give a good complete answer. Like, you know, you've spent some time thinking about this. You will get that money, right? But it's not like, hey, I've got this great idea. Can I get a hundred grand, right? Like you're, you're, going to, you're going to work for it, but it will happen, right? If you're, if you're truly onto something. Uh, and you know, maybe if it's helpful, right? Like if you're, if you know, I'm sure, you know, somebody who does this podcast, you hear this a lot sometimes from maybe outsiders, right? Like I've got this great idea for a business. I've been sitting, you know, I I, I smoked the bowl, uh, was watching TV and then, you know, thought like, Oh my God. Right. Like what about this like cheesecake delivering service? Right. And you're like, like, what the fuck do you know about cheesecake? And what the fuck do you know about delivering? Right. So that, that doesn't apply. Right. But if you're like, Hey man, uh, I work, uh, you know, I work in this produce business, right. And the produce business is still pen, paper, pencil, right. Uh, you know, like I went to talk to a bunch of other companies, our competitors, and they're doing the same thing. And I'm thinking about building an app that takes us away from pen and paper and doing it online. What do you think about that? Right now you've got somebody who's been thinking about this, who's got domain expertise in that field, right? Somebody who's got uh, at least uh, a 1% chance of succeeding. Yeah. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So that's the type of, that's the type of idea it takes to, to raise, you know, any amount of money in San Francisco. Do you, do you need to have expertise or can you just have the right people around you as long as you have the idea? Uh, I mean, I follow the mon- mindset that you need, uh, you need background experience, right? You like whatever you're working on, you should have some industry ex- like, and maybe this was just like YC just shoving it in your yeah. mouth, like, right? Like you need experience because what you need is the edge. You need to be able to see what nobody else is seeing, right? And maybe it could be a couple other people that are at the same place that you are, right? And that's where, you know, you've got Uber, you've got Lyft, right? You know, you've got DoorDash, you've got Instacart, right? So folks that come from these industries that understand where they fall short are the successful entrepreneurs. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So go ahead. go ahead. No, no, keep going. <laughs> So, you know, like, so, you know, like, I think, sure, maybe, uh, maybe you have uh, smart people around you, right? But like, if you were trying to build an, a mobile app building business, and I had experience building mobile apps, there might be a day where I decide, you know what, I've got the experience and the expertise, I can do this on my own, right? Like, <laughs> screw you. <laughs> well, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Real, you know, the, 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 the success of building a business is already 1%. You know, like yeah. even draft, it's at 2% now, right? Like, you know, think about all the things that could go wrong, right? Everything goes wrong, right? Uh, uh, a lot of times you have founder disputes, right? Like you spend as much time as you do with your girlfriend or partner or wife or whatever, right? Um, you know, crazy, and, right? Yeah. You, Entrepreneurial you, life. Exactly. Communication issues, right? You know, like rarely is it your competitors that kill you, right? Rarely is it your competitors. It's all internal, right? It's all about uh, you've made some mistakes internally and you either make up for them or you don't realize it and it kills you, you know? What made you, uh, you know, hop, get off the, get off the wagon of the regular nine to five life? Cause that's what you did for, for a while. Obviously you had some entrepreneurial tendencies throughout your life, but what made you just j- jump ship one day? Um, it's always something, so it's always something that I wanted, right? So mm-hmm. I was actually supposed to be a lawyer. Um, I taught myself how to code when I was younger, right? Uh, you know, like build, building these websites and logos on eBay and selling them and then like building, a, you know, a blog that ended up getting, you know, a ton of hits and stuff. But then when it came to applying for college, I did not want to do computer science. I don't have a computer science degree. I fucking hate, you know, like the black text on a white screen, the pocket protector computer scientist. At least that was the way that it was portrayed to me back Same then. Same here. Same here. Right? So I was like, fuck that. I'm going to do the next best thing. You know, like coming from Polish parents, right? Like, you know, do some higher education crap, right? Or whatever. Even though my parents, uh, my mom did believe that I should go into computer science. Maybe I was just like a lazy piece of shit, uh, you know, like fuck the system kid back then, right? So 
I ended up wanting to go to law school, right? Throughout that process, I built a lot of websites because I was making money selling tickets. I was throwing shows, right? You know, like we brought like Wiz Khalifa and Big Sean. I got to go on tour with Big Sean uh, to Cleveland uh, after coming to U of I, right? I got, I got pictures of that. It's pretty cool. Uh, how'd you build, how'd you sell tickets for him? What do you mean? Well, so what we would do is we would hit up their managers back before these people were famous. They're super famous now, right? I don't know anybody, you know, through, through that. But back then it was just like college tours, right? So you'd, you'd catch wind, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and say like, Hey, we want to bring you to U of I, right? Like we'll do all the marketing. We'll build the tickets and we're broke college students. So we're like, I'm not using Ticketmaster or Eventbrite. I can fucking build this myself. So I did. And I built these ticket portals, right? And I'd use like PayPal, whatever, right? Just like you go to a site and it's just like buy a ticket, you yeah. know, just, just like a button, you know, big Sean, you know, like uh, canopy club, you know, uh, so seven. you took, so you took the processing fees like for you yourself, essentially you made some side side hustle money, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause we weren't t- selling tickets for like a hundred, it was like $20. You know, you know what I'm saying? So like if there was like a $6 processing fee or whatever it was, it's like, well, then we don't get it. So it was just easier to PayPal, pay the 3% and call it a day. You know, then I, then I keep the rest, you know, obviously you have to pay the artist too. Right. So that yeah. was a big chunk of that. Um, so, you know, I was building these things. Right. And then still like, you know, going through the process of applying to law school, uh, got into DePaul, got on there, like almost a full scholarship. Uh, a week before I dropped out, I was like, fuck this. This is not for me. Uh, because my friend reached out like as like a kind of like coming to life, you know, moment. He's like, dude, like, what are you doing? You know, like come work for me, you know, like come work at this company that I'm at right now. Uh, like you don't need a CS degree, you know, like, cause I was like 22, right? What did I know? Uh, you don't need a CS degree. You're good at fucking building websites. Like come work here for a little while. And I did. And I, you know, uh, you know, the interview process is pretty short. I, I got in. Right. So that was my first company. Right. Um, got really close with like the CEO and the COO. I would write like three page, you know, like, uh, Hey, we use Microsoft link. This is a shitty tool. Uh, we should consider using <laughs> Slack or hip chat or whatever. Right. And yes. I would write these like three to five page, you know, analysis of why we would be better off. And I would like deliver yeah. them to the COO and be like, you know what, we're, we're switching, right? But my, the people directly above me did not like that, right? You know, they did not like me coming in and changing everything, despite the COO being okay with it, right? So that's where sort of things started getting a little uh, funky. Right? Which and company I was, was, can you reference which company this was? Yeah, so it was uh, One North. Uh, One North Interactive is, uh, they're an awesome website uh, agency, okay. right? Uh, they... Uh, they build some of the most, you know, interactive websites, right? Usually it's been like law firms and accounting firms, right? So mm-hmm. big, big business, right? Uh, I still talk to a lot of people there. Uh, you know, I, I love the people that I used to work with, right? Uh, but, you know, like I said, there's always, it's like, oh, what is this fucking 23-year-old idiot? You know, I've been here for 15 years, right? It's like, what is this idiot trying to do, right? So I, I didn't blame them, right? I'm not, yeah. uh, I didn't blame them by, for any, so anyway, so then I went, uh, I was looking for something else, right? I was looking for, that was a consulting environment, right? Where we built websites for other people at an hourly rate. So I wanted to go work for a product company, which is you have one product, right? That you're building on internally, right? And uh, for me, and that's like, you know, a product company is like Airbnb, right? They don't build things for other clients, right? They, they have their own software that other people use. So that's where Trunk Club came into play. Uh, Trunk Club was based in Chicago. Um, the company was, the idea was like, men love to look good, but hate to shop. Right. Uh, so, you know, you'd have these stylists, you'd have these amazing wardrobes. Right. And you get this like if you go online, if you do, if you went to the self-service online process, you get this big trunk in the mail with your suit or your garments, socks, boxers, you know, like super nice Eaton three, four hundred dollar yeah. shirts. Right. So and it was a very high class, high luxury. You know, like I learned a lot about the fashion industry. I learned a lot about how to build products and met a lot of great people there. Right. And at Trunk Club, uh, my, my boss, uh, Mike Cruz, who's the VP of engineering, right, top of the totem pole, you know, he sort of became like my mentor and is now sort of my friend. Uh, he was like, man, like, you think differently. You know, like, if you ever leave from here and go get another job, I'll be disappointed, you know. But, like, if you go and start your own company, like, like I'll support it and I'll even, you know, like, invest in that company. Uh, so, you know, I, I would hear a lot of that, right? Like, I, That's awesome. 
I, you know, I, I got close with our leadership, right. And still ask them for advice all the time. You know, they sold trunk club for $350 million to Nordstrom, right? So it was a big, big acquisition, right. Especially for Chicago. So I'm just fortunate enough to have been part of that, you know, uh, from the get go. Awesome. And then eventually you just decided, so did you leave them willingly to start the business up or? Yeah. Like there was a, okay. there was a point, you know, about a year after. Uh, so what happens is you get, your company gets acquired, right? Your leadership team is on a new vesting schedule. I think it was two or three years, right? Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no need to try anymore, right? There's no like, Hey, we're going to be here until eight o'clock every single night. It's like, a, you know, like you do whatever you want. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, that's what happens, right? Yeah. Cause like, I think a lot of folks, you know, they go did they, for big. Did they, did they feel the company sold out? Like, was that kind of like the feeling around the company? Oh yeah, everybody. You know, like, well, because like, what, what? Who's pushing you, right? You had this all-star leadership team: the CEO, the COO, right? VP of product. All have moved on to do other great things, right? Pushing you, like, we can do this. Like, I believe in you. Yada yada yada. And then they sell. They're there as figureheads at that point, right? That's when you know uh, Nordstrom doesn't just show up and say, "Hey, this is us," right? The, con the company continues uh, running as usual, but like, uh, you know, like that whole massive, like, oh my God, we have six months of runway. What are we going to do? We have to keep pushing. That all disappears, right? Because now there's unlimited runway. There's unlimited money, right? So it's like, yeah, so your goals and stuff, uh, we're still going to align with them. We're still going to push them, but nobody is really pushing you as hard anymore, right? Like, it's like, yeah, you know, like, you know, it's like, where should I put my money? You know what I mean? Like what, what company, what stocks should I invest in? Or what do I do about this? Right? Like the, the conversations that you're having are slowly starting to change. And this happens, you know, it's, it's natural, right? It's natural for that to happen. Right? So after two or three years, all the leadership team uh, went on to do uh, other things, right? They also did other companies and that, that, that sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't, you know, like at, at Twitch, for example, one of the founders stayed, right? There was four of them. One of the founders stayed and he still is the CEO of Twitch, but then one of them, you know, happens to be the president of Y Combinator now, right? So uh, they all, you know, the thing that, that's really great about startups is, is that you have to be good and you have to be fast, right? And that takes a little bit of luck, right? So, you know, startup folks, you know, are usually the ones that get paid the least, right? You know, like startups don't have money, but are facing the toughest challenges, right? You don't do it for the money, you do it for the challenge, right? Once that challenge is gone, it doesn't matter if Nordstrom bumped everyone's salary up, you know, 100 grand, right? Now you're getting paid 150, 200, 300, right? The challenge is gone. You don't care anymore, right? So you sort of want, you sort of like start to, you know, sort of like wander, wander, right? Like, oh, like let's find something new. And that, so that was my time, right? That was like about a year after that was my time to sort of like, you know what, I'm going to quit. I'm going to take a break from all of this and, uh, you know, just sort of like find the right business partners, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and just work on, you know, something of my own, right? I want something of my own. I fucking hate having a boss. <laughs> I fucking, you know, like I, I question things and, you know, sometimes I'm right. And, you know, so like I just, you know, my, my boss at the time was like, yeah, you, like you, you should be, doing this you know you should be starting your own company so i know that was very long-winded uh that's great that's great yeah. and you you mentioned you went to school um kind of like how i did i don't even do what i went to school for at all yeah uh, do you do you regret that part at all would you still have went to college if you had the choice um you know i think about this i don't know how you feel about it i guess i feel like it's on everybody's mind a little bit right like i think it's hindsight 2020 you know, I was a dumbass kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, do I think about like, um, like, oh, if I, if I ended up doing CS and hung around the CS kids that have all gone off, you know, and done certain things, right? Like, would I, would I be more successful? Would I be living in San Francisco right now? And honestly, I don't know, because, um, you know, I was a fucking computer nerd growing up in high school, right? And then I got the opportunity to join a frat, which is why I started partying, right? <laughs> like, whatever reason, these yeah. two twin bros, milk and cooks, uh, you know, like there's somewhat of sh local famous Chicago DJs lived across the hall from me and we, we became best of buds and still are, we still talk. Um, and they're like, yo, you got to join our frat. And I was like, okay, you know, like I'll do that. Right. And then I met a lot of great people from that and I became, you know, outgoing and I became much better at selling people and becoming more of a people person 
rather than just sitting in front of a computer screen. So that probably played a role in that whole process too, you know? So I, every once in a while the thought comes up, but I don't know, I think life, you're just sort of on the path. You know, I also owned a ton of Bitcoin, you know, in 2011 that I ended up selling when it hit, a, a, you know, 2013, it hit a gram, right? It's like, wow, only I had known, right? I would have, I wouldn't, I'd be able to do whatever the fuck I want right now, right? If you didn't sell. Yeah, if I didn't sell, right? Did you, you know? did you, did you have it when it was like in the teens? Yeah, yeah, but I bought it again when it was like, you know, you know, like, you know, so I bought it, you know, it was like a couple bucks, right? And then I bought it, you know, and then I sold it and then I bought it when it was a couple thousand bucks and then I sold it, right? So it's like, oh man, if only I had known, but who knows? You know, you know what I'm saying? Life takes you on the path that, uh, that you should take, right? So I don't, I try not to dwell on those things because I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at today. You know, I'm, I'm following exactly. my dreams, you know, so I'm, I'm just thankful for that, you know? All right, Peter. Uh, for everybody listening, that's Peter Pikarczyk. Be sure to check him out at draftbit.com um, as well as your personal website, right? Peter Me, Peter P. Peter P.me. Yeah. Peter P.me. And now we're moving on to our listeners' favorite segment of the show. Miro is going to take off for this segment. Welcome to the round with no name because they're all taken. But his evil twin, Miko, is here. <laughs> <sighs> You will have five seconds. Uh-huh. This, is, this is a no BS round. You will have yep. five seconds to initiate an answer for every question. We don't want you thinking too much. We just want to know the, the, the real, the real Peter Pikarczyk and who he Love is. It. Without further ado, here we go. What is your favorite book? Uh, Tools of the Titans by Tim Ferriss. Fucking amazing. Good selection. What is your favorite movie? Uh, I don't think I have got a favorite movie. We'll just say it's Silicon Valley, the show, right? Sure, we can say that. You know, I guess you know if you want one, I would say Narcos. I think Narcos is even uh, fucking better. But that's so good. that's a TV show on Netflix, right? So. Yes. If you had a hundred dollars right now, I handed it to you, and you had to turn it into two hundred dollars by tomorrow, same time, what would you do? Oh man, I'd probably leverage the stock market with uh, some QQQ. <laughs> so you're just you're just you're just waiting you're just waiting for madness okay what is your favorite app headspace Me- meditation app meditation changed my life i know it's a cliche but headspace you know i have that app on my phone and it's one of those things i downloaded and never opened for like the last two years now oh man i'm telling you <laughs> do force yourself to do three minutes a day for a month you'll get sucked in i um, do it on my iWatch. That breathe, okay, cool. breathe. Yeah. But I got to check it out now that you mentioned it. Cause sometimes someone's got to like mention it and you're yep. like, ah, I got that thing. Fucking how, changed my life. How do you drink your coffee? Black pour over every day and make my own straight up. Huh? Mm-hmm. You know, a study, um, in the Huff post says that those that drink black coffee and I'm one of them, I'm trying to wane myself off though. Uh, definitely show psychotic tendencies. I'm so. definitely a psychopath. So there we go. Entrepreneurs, baby. If I walked into your office right now with swim trunks and socks and sandals, told you, hey, man, I got the next billion dollar idea. Can you listen to me? Would you take me seriously? Yeah, but I'd have to go put on my own pants first because I'm not wearing any. <laughs> well, that's, that's how you do interviews nowadays, right? <laughs> COVID-19, coronavirus style. Which person, and you've met a lot of people, who have you been most nervous uh, to meet so far in your journey? Um, nobody, uh, but one person does stick out, um, and that's Alexis Ohanian when we were raising money from his fund. Uh, so he hit, like, when we were going through uh, YC, uh, he, he approached me and said, yo, can you show me DraftBit? And so we sat down. People, people were coming up to us like, oh, my God, can I take a picture with you? Can I take a picture of you? Uh, and be like, just a second, you know, and be like, can you pull this up? And the internet was really shitty. And so I couldn't show him the, the full tool at the time. And I was like, freaking out. You, you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh-huh. So I wasn't like, you know, like I, I know like my co-founder was shitting his pants, you know, he's like, Oh my God, I was fine about that. But I was nervous about, um, uh, about the whole, the whole experience. Did you ever talk to him again after that? Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. emailed him a bunch of times. Yeah. Did he reply? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he replied. <laughs> okay, so at least it didn't didn't all go to shit. Yeah. And here we're prepping you for what might to, might come. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't, but we don't know. But if you're about to be stranded on an island, and you need to bring one item with you, you only have time to grab one thing. Can't be a person. What would that thing be? I mean, does uh, food aside? It doesn't matter. One thing, man. One thing. Oh, I don't know. Uh, let's uh, a book. Oh, a Kindle. Kindle with a thousand books on it, probably. And an unlimited and a solar panel like charger on it attached, right? Something like that, yeah. And last but not least, if you had an unlimited unlimited amount of money right now, and you could start up any business you want, uh, not a non for profit though, what would it be? Non-for-profit. Uh, 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 oh, I'd be doing the same thing that I'm doing now, or not, I would do not, some... not your own. I do. I do. Oh, okay. Uh, I'd probably do something with infrastructure. You know, something along the lines of uh, transportation, uh, etc. Some infrastructure. I love infrastructure. Could be web infrastructure. Could be physical infrastructure. Building data warehouses or inventory warehouses. Awesome. That's a pretty unique answer. That's a boss. Two boss exclusive. All right, Miko is out. <laughs> All right. I hope you survived Miko, my evil twin. He is, he is uh, quite the character, and he's pretty tough on you. But you're there. I'm here. Peter Pikarczyk of draftbit.com. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's definitely been a pleasure. Um, you know, the, the mic is yours here at the end. Uh, let us know uh, any other final thoughts. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. You know, this was a lot of fun. Uh, check out DraftBit uh, if you're interested in building a mobile app, right? And I guess if you are interested in, you know, starting your own company or whatever, I always say, you know, feel free to reach out to me. You can email me, peter at draftbit.com or hit me up on Twitter. Uh, you know, I think everyone's capable of doing it, right, in their own way, mm -hmm. right? So if you're, ever, if you're ever feeling like you can't or you shouldn't or whatever, just take the plunge because you can always get a job, but you may not always be in a position to be able to start your own company. Right. So. Especially right now, if you are, if you unfortunately have been laid off or you're short on hours or take a pay cut and you have so much extra time because you're not going out on the weekends. Right. Cause you really can't take that time. Right. Look into something different. Now yeah. is that opportunity. You got to look at it as a blessing as bad as it is out there. You have to look at the good of it. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Looking forward to, uh, to your journey and we'll definitely be catching up. Take yeah. care. Thank you. That is all for this episode of boss to boss. Your next step is to visit boss to boss.com where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step. Again, that is boss. The number two boss.com. And remember, the time is now.